And our first point for our lesson today is don't think twice about getting united with Christ. There's a lot of things that we want to think twice about in life, though. Getting united with Jesus is not one of those things we want to think twice about. Right. Yeah, we count the cost. We understand what it means to be right with God. And we need to know that going into it so that we're not making rash decisions or emotional decisions. Yeah. Right? We need to be educated about what, who is Jesus, what did he teach, what is his message, how do we become disciples. But we don't need to think twice about being united with Christ. You think about when you study out the Bible that, that Jesus was with God in the beginning and everything was made by God and for God, which we're part of everything. We were made by God. We were made by Christ. And we were also made for Christ. So really when we get united with Christ, we just get in touch with why we were created in the first place. Amen. And so we shouldn't think twice about being united with Christ because this is the best decision that anybody can make in their lives. But there are some things we should think twice about in life. Uh, you know, watching that another movie on Netflix when it's midnight, you should think twice about that. I think a lot of times we just we don't think twice about it. We just jump in and say, you know what? I'm just going to do it because it's awesome. I mean, you should really think about, okay, if I start a movie at midnight, it's going to be 2 a.m. when it's finished. I need to wake up in the morning and have a quiet time. So you should actually think twice about whether that's wise or not. Yeah. But a lot of times we just say, I'm just going to jump right into this thing. It sounds awesome. We should think twice about that. You know, going to McDonald's. A lot of times it's a no-brainer. People are just like, oh, I'm going to McDonald's. I mean, we should think twice about going to McDonald's. And if you find yourself between, you know, in those doors, you should think twice about supersizing that meal, too. You really should. You should think, is this really wise? You know? I think a lot of times we just, we just, these are no-brainers, but then it's come time to be a disciple, and you're like, ooh, is it really worth it? It's eternal life, heaven, forgiveness. God's spirit inside of me to give me the power to change my mind. Is that really worth it? I kind of would rather not have control over my life. I kind of would rather continue living my sin and actually, you know, be punished for my sin. It's like, it's a no-brainer to be united with Jesus. But so many of these other things in life, we just, we just make them no-brainers. Buying something on an infomercial. I mean, so oftentimes you see like the infomercials, you're like, oh, that would really enhance my life. And you get it, it's like all cheap and... I, I got had one time, it was a long time ago. But I bought something and it was just like, oh man, this could be so awesome. And I got it and I was like, this seems so cheap, it doesn't even work. You should think twice about ordering things from infomercials. You know, when you're standing in line at the grocery store, looking at the National Enquirer, you know, you should think twice about even looking at that thing. I, mean, I don't think it's possible to be a 60-pound adult, you know, like a celebrities. I mean, it is possible, but I mean... There's so many things in the National Enquirer that we look at and we're like, this is really going on in the world. So we should think twice about what we believe. There's a lot of things that are made up to get people's entertainment. Yeah. Um, Girl Scout cookies, you know what I mean? Who's got mad by the Girl Scouts already? I mean, it is hard. Kevin was sharing. I mean, Kevin went to Albertsons, I think it was, and, or wherever it was, and this little girl was like, hey, you want to buy some Girl Scout cookies? And Kevin so honest and like, I don't have any money. And she's like, oh, I've got a car reader. And I was like, oh, okay. of course I'm going to buy some Girl Scout cookies. You know, you know, it's about getting those Girl Scout cookies. What about taking a free sample from Costco? It's good, but you, you, know, you get yourself in like a, a conversation you didn't expect to get into. You're like, oh, wow, who makes these, you know? You're not interested, you just want to have that free sample. And then you're like, oh, yeah, where are they in the store? And you're like, oh, they're right here. And you're like, oh, they're right here. I wasn't really interested, but 
conversation. <laughs> Some people are so bold, they're just like, yes. <laughs> think twice about things. <laughs> you might find yourself spend an extra 20 minutes at Costco because there's all these different samples that And usually it's a sweet lady that you don't want to just like walk away from. twice about some things in life, but we shouldn't think twice about being united with Christ. In Acts chapter 2, here in verse 36, the Bible reads, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Instead of beating the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And here we have the first century church. We have people coming into a a place of being lost, a place of of being in their sins, of being guilty of of the things that they've done in life. And and now this offer is extended to them, and there's a message that's being preached, and, and people allow the preaching to change what they believe. They allow the preaching to change their doctrine. They allow the preaching to change their their religious understanding of what it meant to be right with God. The preaching got into their hearts. You know, so oftentimes the the preaching gets in our ears, but it gets out the other ears. It gets into our it hits our hearts, but then it falls off, you know, after when it's lunchtime. It gets into our our life, and it's sitting right here, and we we get this, this point in time where or we know we should make a decision and we just say, oh, I can forget about it. Mm-hmm. No, these people actually let the preaching get into their lives and change their actions about now how they live going forward. They didn't think twice about being united with Christ. They, they realized, what do we do? We realize that, that we're guilty of our sin. We realize that we've done a horrible thing. And, you know, so many times in life we, we realize... The things that we've done, you know, when I reflect on my life, I've done a lot of things that I'm not proud of in life. And to have the offer to be totally forgiven, to be to, to have a clean slate, to have a fresh start, that I can just move forward with Christ, I don't even think twice about that. Yeah, I need to count the cost, and I need to make sure that I understand it, so that I'm clear on what, what the call is. But then thinking twice about going forward to being a, a perfectly united relationship with Christ, Man, that's not something that we should be thinking twice about. You know, the audience here were people who, who many people who had been influenced by Jesus. Whether they had encountered Jesus at some point, whether a friend had encountered Jesus, whether they had heard some slander about Jesus. I mean, people were whispering behind Jesus' back, he's a deceiver, he's demon-possessed, stay away from him, he's raving mad, he's going to lead you astray, don't, don't go around the guy. And so people had heard all about Jesus. Some people have heard he's a good man, he helps the sick, he helps the poor, he's benevolent. You should get to know the guy. And now, wherever people are, some people have never heard about him. But there's thousands and thousands of people gathered at the time. And people who have been influenced by Jesus, now they were at the point, at a personal decision, they say, what do I personally need to do to be right with God? 
And then as the scripture says, they just accepted Jesus in their heart and now they were saved. That's actually not what the Bible teaches. But if you go to most churches this Sunday morning around the city, you go to most churches around the world, that's the message you will hear. That if you just get to a place where you get super emotional and wrapped up about your life and you feel guilty, and at that moment when the music comes on and you can raise your hand when the pastor says, who wants to be saved? Who wants to accept Jesus in your heart right now? And millions and millions of people all over the world are believing they're now being saved because they've accepted Jesus into their hearts. That wasn't the message. The Bible says in verse 41, it says those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And if you go down to verse 47, the Bible says praising God and joining the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so now we see salvation come to the earth, but it wasn't through just this confusing message of just accepting Jesus into your heart. It was accepting the message about who Jesus was and what it meant for an individual to do. That's amazing. The, the message was so clear. It was Jesus is Lord. And so yes, we accept Jesus. We accept that He's the Lord. He's the one we're called to obey, the one we're called to surrender to, to be submitted to, to be humble to. Where the, he, he's the part of the project. He's going to lay out the project that we're called to be a part of. And people accepted that he was the Christ, that he was the Lord. And now they say, what do we do? We've accepted that. Well, it's time to repent of your sin. It's time for, on an individual level, for you too to become a disciple of Jesus. And now you can be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of all your sin. You can now have God's Spirit live inside of you to give you the power to live the Christian life. And people didn't think twice about it. The only people who thought twice were the ones who didn't get baptized. It's amazing. The people who didn't think twice about it, they were there. They said, what do we do? And 3,000 people that day said, we are willing to become the Lord's disciples ourselves. We want to be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of our sin. We want to have the Spirit live inside of us. And now we want to go forward and build the very church of God in this lost world. And let's look at what it looks like in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. You know, we now see people restored back to a right relationship with God. We see people now come back to the DNA of why they were created. You know, it's amazing. On their own, they devoted themselves to reading the scriptures. That was a conviction they now had, is that on a personal level, they were going to read the scriptures by themselves, but also collectively as the church. They were going to devote themselves to the fellowship. They were actually going to get to know each other. They were going to, I mean, they were from all different countries. I appreciate Alfredo and Rosie sharing about the language barrier, but it's all the same. Yeah. I mean, these people were from Egypt, they were from Parthians from Medes, they're Mesopotamia, they're from all over. They spoke different languages. But now they were all together and they had everything in common because Jesus was the Lord. Everybody repented and became a disciple. Everybody was baptized into Christ and everybody was faithful. Yeah. And I appreciated what, what, what they shared. Rosie, uh, Alfredo, Rosie, they shared that not every day is just going to be like, man, just like gumbo, feels good. We're walking on the clouds. We're, we're doing awesome. Some days it's going to feel like you're walking through quicksand. But what characterized the disciple is what character, characterized Jesus. 
Just never giving up. Come on. You can be messed up and be a disciple of Jesus. You can be weird. You can be awkward. You can have so many shortcomings. You can continually drop a ball. But as long as you just are committed and you don't give up, Jesus yeah. will bring you into his kingdom. He'll wrap his arms around you. So will other disciples and we'll see the glory of God in our day. Yeah. 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 We about being united with Christ. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Come on, Brian. We're going to look at what we're actually called to. You know, so many times we wonder, are we really called to care about what Jesus cares about? Because there's plenty of people that I know that say they're Christians and they go to church, but they don't really do the things Jesus did. Seems like they don't really care about the things Jesus cared about. Well, let's look here in 1 Corinthians in chapter 1. In verse 8, the Bible says, He will keep you strong in the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. You know, whether somebody realizes or not, everybody in this world is called into fellowship with Jesus. In the first century, there was no church in the world. In Acts chapter 2, that was actually the first church. How did people come into fellowship with Jesus? They heard the message. They believed it. They made Jesus Lord. They repented. They became disciples. They were baptized into Christ. Everybody knew they were being baptized for the forgiveness of their sin. And now they had God's Spirit. And now they were in fellowship with Jesus. And they went and reached the world. Man, they sacrificed. They preached the Word. They were in each other's homes. They loved. They... They reached new people. They prayed. They were devoted. They, they took communion together. I mean, it was an amazing, amazing fellowship. But we've got to realize that everybody in this world, God wants them to come into fellowship with His Son. Our DNA was made. It was made. And that's why God gives us this opportunity that's incredible to be reborn. We were made to care about the things that God cares about. And so wherever you're at in life, the simple challenge from this point is make the decision to do whatever it is you need to do to clearly understand from the Bible what it means to be united with Christ. And let's not think twice about making this incredible decision. Our second point today is become passionate about growing. You know, growing is, is such an amazing thing. I mean, we want to develop. We want to see results in our lives. We want to change. Yeah. And I want to show us today that it is a biblical principle that all of us grow in the different areas of our life. And 1 Timothy 4, you can write down 1 Timothy 4, verse 16 to reference later in your personal quiet time. But the Bible says to watch your life and doctrine closely, to persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And so we understand that, that salvation is something, yes, that God does, 100%. We're going to look at this. But it's also our response to what God has done. And our life and what we believe, our doctrine, that's what's going to save ourselves. And it's also going to save the people who hear us. And so we're going to go to Matthew chapter 25 here. As we look at this principle of growing from Jesus. Every time I read this parable, the parable of the talents here, I get very, very sober. But I get inspired. I feel challenged, but I feel ready to figure it out. I feel pushed, but I feel, how do I dig down deeper to understand it and to become what Jesus has called me to become? I, um, I was recently given some, uh, some advice uh, to become more inspired. And I thought, man, I want to learn how to become more inspiring. I feel challenged by that. How do you become inspired? <laughs> 
Do I need props? Do I need like a video? Do I need like, do I need to learn how to dance? Like what do I need to do to become inspiring? And, and the first thing is I just got to get radically close to God. When, when we understand why we do what we do, not just what we do, you know, special missions, if you hear it called special missions, you don't really get excited about that. But if you hear that we're changing the world one soul at a time, that everybody together can change the world, that one person on their own can't do much, but you put a whole bunch of people together, they can reach an entire city. And it calls everybody to be on the same page to be able to make a difference. And you start to get inspired by that. And when you start to see it in the scriptures about that's what they did in the first century church, we start to say, well, I want to imitate the first century church. Often when you just hear share your faith, it's like, oh, this is intimidating. But then you start to hear you can get in somebody's life and you can help them with the same problems God's helped you overcome. Uh, yeah. That you can be the person who helps somebody overcome their depression, overcomes their, their lack of self-confidence, who overcomes an addiction. That's who you can become if you would open your mouth and share your faith with somebody. It's like, wow, I want to become part of that. Yeah. And when we understand the heart of God, man, it moves us. That scripture that, that our freighter Rosie should, it compels us. Yeah. That word compels, the love of Christ compels us, it means that it forces us. Yeah. When we're so close to God, when we're, when we're in love with God, it's like we are obligated to share our faith. We're obligated to give. We're obligated to love people. We just feel it on our hearts. We just we feel weird if we don't do that. We feel, we feel like we're missing something. I mean, I was moved to tears with their sharing. Yeah. I was moved to tears, and, and it wasn't necessarily because they didn't have the material stuff. I was moved to tears because of how important they saw this lesson to teach not only themselves, but their kids to build with God. And for their kids to just, I mean, they're going to they're share about this into their 20s and their 30s. I mean, they're going to be like, there's this one time. I mean, I can imagine them studying the Bible with people 10 years down the road and say, you know what? My parents, there's one time. I was 15, I was 11, my brother's 11. And man, we were, we were in a, a tough spot where our parents taught us true faith in God. I mean, I, that's why I was moved to tears. I said, that's what matters, is that we develop this deep faith in why we do what we do. And for us to be able to see it, I, I watched this video uh, in my, my quest of becoming more inspiring. I watched a motivational video. And so this video, I mean, if you ever listen to those, and I'm not saying like we're going to talk about self-help stuff, but I believe that coaches and athletes and business, they get inspired, you know? You do get pumped up. And this one guy's like, you need to do whatever it takes. You've got to want to succeed as much as you want to breathe and just going off. And then he says, you got to put yourself in a timeout and say, it's time to change. And I was like, man, that's powerful. He's like, when are you going to sit yourself down and look in the mirror and say, hey, we're changing today. We're no longer going to live this way, whether it's health, whether it's busyness, whether it's sleeping in, whether it's just being upset. It's time to get over it. And then you just have a little one-on-one -on -one time out with yourself, and then you make some decisions to change. And said, so it's going to be hard, but it starts with a decision. And I was pumped up about that. I hope other people get pumped up about that too. <laughs> Then he went on his journey. 
The man who received five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off the hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man who received the one talent came. Master, he said, I, get, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant, so you knew that I harvested where I had not sown, and gathered where I had not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside, into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now there's a few things that we learned from here. And we're going to look at the parable of the talents in two perspectives from 1 Timothy 4. Verse 16 is in our life and our doctrine. Because they're both equally as important. Now amazingly the Bible says the kingdom of heaven is like a man who has property. God's this, this person, right? This is the kingdom is like this. And, and God owns everything. We were made by God. It's for God. We're, we're part of God. And God's entrusted us with different things in our life. And basically, he says, to one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, to another one talent, each according to his ability. So we know that we all have different abilities in life. Some of us can handle more in life than others. And so whatever we can handle, everybody's got their own ability. And God takes that into consideration yeah. when he gives us what he's given us in life. Incredible that God is, is so, so thoughtful. That God says, I'm not going to put a pressure on you that, that you can't handle. I'm not going to put a pressure on you that you can't handle. I'm going to give everybody different abilities and talents. And I'm only going to expect that you just use those in the capacity that you can use them. And so God never made us to compare ourselves to others and say, oh, well, he's doing this or she's doing this or they're doing this. So I'm not good enough because I'm not doing that. No, we all have different talents and different abilities. Amazingly, though, in verse 16, it says, The man who received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. The one who had the two talents did the same. But then the one with the, the one talent, he dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. And so right from the get-go, we see two different attitudes about God. The one with the five talents, the one with the two talents, says, Wow, God is has given me things in life. He's entrusted me with things. I need to go and be able to do great things for God according to my ability and what I've been given. Well, somebody else says, well, I'm not this, I'm not that, I don't have as much as you, I don't, so you know what, I'm just gonna just hide. 
I'm fearful, so I'm just gonna just go apply, I'm gonna bury my talent, I'm just gonna, you know, get focused on myself. And amazingly, the Bible lifts up one of these groups of people and really condemns another group of these people. This is Jesus' teaching. And so my hope here is that we get really, really inspired about the heart. It doesn't matter how many talents you have. It doesn't matter how much ability you have. God just expects us to do our best with what we've been given. Well, let's keep on reading. In verse 19, After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, You entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, You are so prideful. I can't believe you think you gained those talents. I'm the one who did all that. That's not what the Bible said. The, 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 the guy with the five talents says, you entrusted me with five talents. So I went out, I went out, and I gained five more. It's amazing to see what, what you've enabled me to be able to do, and I put it yeah. into practice. Yeah. And, and the master says, well done. This guy wasn't a religious guy who says, oh, I can't do anything. You know what? It's, it's, only God can do anything, so I'm just here. I'm just waiting for God to move. No, he said, I'm going to take what God's given me, not in a prideful way. I'm so grateful that God has given me these abilities. I'm just going to go out and I'm going to put it to work now. This was the heart that says, I'm going to go walk with God. And then what happened? God just blessed his efforts. And now he's got five more talents. Come share your master's happiness. Incredible job. Well done. Yeah. My servant. The guy with the two talents did the same thing. Now the guy came back only with two more talents. So now we've got four talents and we've got ten talents. But the same result from the master. Well done. Great job using what you had and multiplying it. Now the guy with the one talent, I'm not as good as this guy, I'm not as good as her, yeah, I don't have as much. It really doesn't matter. I can just kind of be a fly on the wall. So I'm just going to bury my talent, I'll just be around, and I just won't mess anything up. Well, the result of that was just there was a fear, there was a faithlessness, there was a, I'm not really going to go out and step out and, and do what I can do with what I have. You know, the Bible goes on to talk about this. In verse 26, His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. And so the heart of God is just do something. You don't have to do the most elaborate thing. I think a lot of times we wait until just the biggest, best door opens and then we'll just... Then we'll get serious about life. We wait until, man, when God makes it so clear that I'm just going to change the world in, in five days, then I'll really go and do it. You know, I was listening to another one of these videos, and they're saying, imagine if you took only and just out of your vocabulary. And talked about, you know, instead of saying, I only have this job. What if you said, I've got this job. And then you turn that job into a career. And then ten years later, you're, 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 you're a made person who's helping people. What's the difference, they said? You take the just out. And they used it with the, this whole understanding of, um, the, the specific example he used is smoking cigarettes. They said, oh, it's just one cigarette. What if you took the just out and you said, it's a cigarette? He said, it, it becomes a big deal if we take only and just out of our vocabulary and we realize what we have is given to us by God and God can make anything real. So oftentimes we cut ourselves short and say, oh, we're not good enough. I'm not like you, I'm not like them. I can't be at this place, and so what's the point of even trying? 
You know, the simple challenge that I want to take from this point is wherever God has you in life, just give your best. All right. Make just give your whole heart. It doesn't matter if you're a CEO or if you're a, you know, somebody who's at the lowest level of a company. It doesn't matter if you're the straight-A student or you're just pushing by to, to pass. It really doesn't matter where you're at. All that matters is that you put in your sum and you give your best. God puts in his all and then it becomes awesome. You just take your sum. You say, you know what, this is what I've got. And I'm going to use it, and I'm going to multiply it, I'm going to be faithful, and I'm going to wait in God's timing. And maybe it's not just elaborate, crazy things that happen right away. But if we would just take what we have in our faith, and we put it, move it forward, we say, we're going to develop what God's given us. God's going to put some all in that, and then over time, it's going to multiply. You know, this guy, he realized that God was going to gather where he hadn't scattered. He was going to harvest where he hasn't planted so what does that mean? God's given us talents and abilities, and God's going to come back and expect that we've done something with these talents and abilities. That God's going to come back ready to gather in a place, not just us individually. So I love what Alfredo shared. Unless we die, we're never going to become multiple, multiple crops, multiple fruits, so to say. We become only a single seed. I think what we've got to be able to do is we've got to break the shell of just being self-focused, and we've got to get to the place where we say, Whatever we have, let's develop it. Wherever you're at in life, give your best and watch God make it multiply. You know, in the area of life, God expects us to face our fears, to do new things, to develop skills and relationships and even finances for His kingdom. God expects us to go out and make these things multiply. And maybe you've got one talent. It could become two talents. You know what two talents becomes? It becomes four talents. And then it becomes eight talents. And then it becomes... Or many talents you want it to become down the road until the Lord takes you back to heaven. So oftentimes we get stuck at this one place. And we say, what's the point of building from one? Well, God says it just takes a mustard seed. And we've got to get passionate about growing. It's in our DNA as disciples. is that we allow ourselves to grow wherever we are. We're at, you know, in the area of doctrine. Come on, bro. God harvests. God's going to look for people that we've influenced to, influence to become Christians. That's just the, 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 the principle of this parable. Is that God does expect us to reach out to our neighbors. He expects us to reach out to our co-workers, our classmates, the, the people we come around in our communities. That God does expect us to do that. And, and you'd be blown away. There's been times I've opened my mouth and just said, Hey, you want to come to church? And people are like, Oh my goodness, I've been looking for a church to come to. Hey, you want to do a Bible study? Yes, I want to do a Bible study. And all it took was just opening our mouths. There's been other times where it doesn't go so well, but you know what? <laughs> you never know. When you just start developing what God's given you, God's going to make it grow as time goes on. You know, I'm so proud of our sister Jane. And, uh, Jane's life demands respect. Uh, Jane works. She works through the night often. Um, she's in school. She truly gives her heart to school. And, and her heart is to build the kingdom, you know? And, and it's amazing to see Jane because not only is Jane working hard, but, but her heart is incredible. I mean, you, you spend time talking with Jane, there's a, there's a gentleness, there's a kindness, there's just like a, there's like a motherly heart of Jane. And I think, wow, she's pushed it in all different directions. Um, whether it's her, her household situation, her job, her work, her school, I mean, all these different things. You know, she's gone through family challenges, but man, when you talk to Jane, she just like loves God, and she's like, I just want to develop what God's given me. And it's been amazing to see her grow, and this Easter, well, 
It was Easter last year, but on April the 16th should be a year spiritually in the Lord. You know, uh, but we've all got to get to the place where we realize God expects us to have a great heart about growing. You know, uh, there's this guy, Nicholas James. He's a, he's a, he leads a church, I think, or he's, he travels around the world and he, he preaches and he's a, he's a motivational guy, but um, he was born with tetramelia, which means that his four limbs didn't develop. So he's essentially, a, he's got his torso and his, his neck and his head, and he's got very, very small limbs, so he can't. And, and he does this visual where, where he, he falls over on stage, and, and he, you see the struggle just to get up. And, and I mean, he doesn't want help. People are moved to, like, we want to go help, and, and he, he, you see him struggle just to get up. And he talks about never giving up. He talks about giving your whole heart. He talks about being passionate about growing. And I look at this parable of talents, and I say, wow, there's so many of us that, that have all four hormones. There's so many of us that we have so much. We have our health. We have abilities. And we just think, man, God can't really use me. I can't really grow. I can't really develop. The, the DNA of a disciple is no matter what your situation is, your situation does not determine your heart. Come on, bro. You determine your heart. And we see this on the cross. There's three crosses, right? At Jesus' death. You got the two thieves and you got Jesus. They're all in the same situation. One guy gets bitter, and one guy just gets mad that he's on the cross. Another guy starts to get sober. He starts to realize, hey, honestly, man, we, we deserve to be here. This guy doesn't deserve to be here. And then you've got Jesus, who's still preaching, who's still forgiving, who's still loving. Our situation doesn't determine our heart. We individually determine our heart. And so whatever you're going through, whatever the challenge is, my challenge from this point is simply to give your best, let God determine your heart, and let's get fired up to be true disciples, because this is the DNA you're created to know. In your meet times this week, in your mentoring times, and if you don't have a discipling partner in the Bible studies you've set up this week with other disciples. Discuss the areas where you know God's growing you to call. Where you know it's going to take a change of your character. Where you know it's going to take a push. But it's going to be a place where you're going to be able to grow. And you too will hear, well done, my faithful servant. Point number three as we close out is get excited for eternity. Come on. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 4 as we read our last scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Here in verse 14, get excited for eternity. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. It's talking about those who died faithfully in Christ. They're going to go to heaven first, so... Be patient if Jesus comes back and you're still alive. <laughs> Verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds, with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Verse 18. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. You know, it is part of our DNA that we get excited 
about eternity. Yeah, it is. It's, it's part of, you know, why do, why do professional athletes meet their bodies? Why do they change their lives? They're so excited about the paycheck. They're so excited about the win. They're so excited about the fame that will come. That they're willing to do whatever it takes because of their hope in this life. Our hope in heaven should, should be so grand. It should be something that puts so much courage in us. It's something that should put courage in one another. That we're willing to live this life of, of being disciples. We're willing to go through the challenges. We're willing to push. We're willing to sacrifice. We're willing to do what it takes. Because our hope is so focused on heaven. You know, as we close out, who likes new things? I love, I love new things. Everything in heaven is new. Nothing's used in heaven. Everything is brand new. It's, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Who likes to clean their house? Who likes when it's cleaned? Yeah. <laughs> we love when it's clean, but, but who's ever cleaned their house and it's perfectly clean? I actually believe when. <laughs> well, well, here, this is what I, wanna, I wanted to mention. I don't believe we've ever seen perfectly clean. Maybe that moment when you were under the water and you got baptized. Wherever you came up. But, but, but the Bible says heaven, everything is new. Everything is perfectly clean. It's spotless. It's, there's not a single imperfection in heaven. We're going to get a new body. We're going to have a new home. The Bible talks about mansions in heaven. And prepared individually for, for whatever it is. We don't even know the things we desire, but it's just all going to be there. Everything that could fulfill us in our lives. I mean, that's something to hope for. There's no tears. There's no pain. We'll be at perfect peace in our hearts. There's fruitful gardens. I mean, the, the food's probably going to be so incredible in heaven. There's going to be the angels, others, the fellow. I mean, I imagine the fellowship in heaven. Can you imagine that? I mean, just a perfect fellowship. I mean, people just like serving you and encouraging you and you serving people. And I mean, there's going to be no limits. I don't know if we're going to pray, but we'll probably just talk to God, you know. We're just, I don't know. It's just going to be perfect. I mean, we should encourage each other with these words. No matter what we're going through. And most importantly, God will be in heaven. Yeah. And we'll see Jesus. And, and I don't think at that moment when we approach Jesus, we'll think, man, was it really worth it? Mm -hmm. I think we'll say, man, it was totally worth it. Yeah. Everything that happened was totally worth it. You know, as we close out our series on the DNA of discipleship, we've studied out that we're made to be surrendered to God. We're made to be humble before God. We're... We're made to connect with this authentic message. And sometimes it feels like pulling teeth to connect with this message. Uh, especially in the world we live in today. You know, we looked at our lives can be full of purpose. That we need God to help us and to push us. And we need others to do that as well. Our lives are full of passion. And we can never forget the hope that we've been called to. No matter what you're going through. No matter where you're at. There's an incredible plan. And the DNA of discipleship is that you can, anybody can change. But you first just got to be united in fellowship with Christ. And let's go out and preach this message to a lost world. And to God be all the glory.